0: All right, so we are back with episode two of The Amanda Show, and I have a wonderful guest that I know everybody is dying to learn more about, Long Island's very own Charles Weinroth, a.k.a. the handsome homebuyer, a.k.a. Cat P. Guy. How are you doing today?
1: The cat Welcome
0: to my podcast.
1: <laughs> Thank you for having me. I, I, I appreciate being uh, guest number two.
0: All right, so I don't really know where to start. We're kind of just going to let this flow because I know Charles pretty well, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, My interactions with Charles started two years ago now where the tables were turned and I was actually a guest on his podcast. Um, He created a series, which I think I was the only person on, right? Yes. Creating a top agent. Want to describe a little bit how we kind of came to know each other and met?
1: So, yeah, we connect through social media, which is the most amazing thing in the world, right? And at the time, I, um, everybody knows I have this thing called broker beef where I'm kind of um, in beef with and brokers because I feel really like... really know what that was. Because they don't give... Um, I don't feel like brokers give enough support in general. Not all of them, but most of them. Mm-hmm. So I was all wound up in one of my moments. And you, started to, you were a new agent. You started talking to me about how you really weren't getting a lot of help and guidance. So I enlisted the help of J.B. Balvin and Dan, and I said, "We're going to have this series, and we're going to every year we're going to take a new agent that has you know no experience, and we're going to see what we can do in a year." And that's what happened.
0: Yeah, and it kind of took off, and we tracked my progress um, over the course of I think like a year and a half. Um, I had to listen to everything that. Charles would recommend I do, and I think I put up a huge fight now two years later. (laughs) Two years later, it's kind of turned around, and I have learned so much from him. I think he is one of the smartest, most interesting people I have ever met. I deeply enjoy and love him so much. Um, So a little bit about him. If you don't know, he is Long Island's number one fix and flip investor. He is an NYU graduate from the Masters of Real Estate Development. Um, People flock to him from all different walks of life looking for advice because he is just that knowledgeable. And I have to say, from an insider's perspective, watching him do what he does, um, how committed and passionate he is to his business, and how he's kind of built this incredible machine is, I haven't seen anything like it. So want to tell us a little bit about yourself. I would kind of go back because you didn't just start here, right, you started in a completely different industry. So take us through a walk of where you started, Um, You were the owner of a body shop right? Mm -hmm. How did we kind of get to real estate and what what was this journey like?
1: So I owned the Mako Body Shop franchise in Hempstead for 10 years and it was it was a, a business It was a good business most people I think would have been happy with it but for me Um, it wasn't the ideal scenario. I was in business with with family, I couldn't grow it the way I really wanted to, and I think a lot of people can relate to that being in family businesses. You're young, you're hungry, you have a lot of energy, you wanna do different things, but there's like the older regime that is kind of, you know, has a thumb on you. So once I realized that uh, I wasn't gonna be able to do what I wanted to do. This
0: was a family-run business?
1: No, so essentially my father owned a different Mako in Brooklyn okay. and he loaned me the money to go into business. This location. Yeah, so while it was my business and he was never there and all that, there was still a certain, um, like he was still my partner in a certain capacity and there were certain things that he didn't want me to do. My idea was to rebrand Mako a totally different business. So I would do what Mako does, I just felt like I could do it better and um, it just got to the point where I have a problem with authority, I couldn't own a franchise, I couldn't deal with them looking over my shoulder and telling me what to do, so I wasn't really happy. Because essentially when you buy a franchise, unless you really scale it and no, own multiple ones, but for the most part you're buying a job. It might go be- you by
0: their like, procedures and the way that they do things.
1: Exactly, which is great. Um, franchises succeed far more often than just individual businesses because they have SOPs mm-hmm. and procedures and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So they're not bad, just not for me.
0: Yeah, I'm laughing because if anyone knows Charles, like this guy is not listening to anything that is predestined or set for him. He is going off on his own and doing his own thing and creating his own road. So I could see that not really working out for you no. or, or desirable for you. So how did you make the transition out of that and decide, hey, I want to get into real estate. I want to get into real estate development. I think I could do this.
1: So I read, someone, a friend of mine gave me a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when I was mm-hmm. 27. I read that and I was like, I want to be a professional investor. But what does that mean? Because you could be a professional investor mm-hmm. in many different facets. Yeah. It could be stocks, it could be real estate, it could be any number of things. Yeah. So I studied stocks and I just realized, hey, that's not, not my thing. I need something more tangible, it's more gambling, I, I, I don't, I'm not into that. So I took a one-day class at NYU on, real, on foreclosures because everybody, when they get into real estate, thinks that banks are giving houses away and that's how you get it.
0: So, you went to NYU. You completely paid for that yourself. You're like, I'm going to go to the best program. Like, How did you seek out where to go?
1: Well, I took a one-day program. A one-day program. So, yeah. NYU is awesome because it offers master's degrees, undergraduate degrees, one-day intensives, five-day intensives, all kinds of things taught by the best people in in the country. So, I took a one-day class and they said join the local RIA. So, RIA stands for Real Estate Investment Association. They're these meetup groups that meet all over the country. So, I went there and I. I met my mentor, Carl, and I trained with Carl for almost four years before ever doing my first deal. And then I did two houses while I owned the Mako in the same year, and I put the Mako up for sale. That was my proof of concept, put the Mako up for sale, and that's it, and I've done over 400 houses in the last uh, seven years. So
0: you got a taste of that, and then, so you, you took that course first. It was just like a one-day thing, and then you actually went to school for it.
1: Yes. Yeah, so my third year in business, I did 67 houses. And then I signed up to go back to NYU to get my master's in real estate development. Because when I was there for that one day, I remember saying to myself, I got to come back here. Like in order to get where I want to go, which is ultimately- You need to invest
0: in your education.
1: In order to get where I need to go, which is to own a private equity fund, I feel like I need to come back here. There's, I need to learn from these people. So in the midst of, you know, flipping all these houses, I spent (laughs) two and a half years at night getting my master's degree. Okay.
0: So I guess that leads me to ask you, so you had Carl, who was kind of your mentor in this business, but what did that first year look like? Because I think a lot of people come to you and I see it when I'm with you. People will reach out to him and they think that this is like a quick thing. Everyone wants to be a wholesaler, an investor. I could do it, I could do it. But what they don't understand is that you literally, when your feet hit the ground in the morning, you are working until like you close your eyes at night. So this is not just something that people are like, oh, it's just gonna be quick easy money and I'm, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. It's gonna be like this status thing. How did you really progress in that first year? Like, what does the work look like?
1: So, um, A, I guess, for me it's all about preparation. So I spent three or four years training and then when I was finally ready to go buy a house, it took me an entire year to find my first house. And then once that happened, I just kinda took off like a rocket. I mean, A, anybody that knows me knows that I am a compulsive person. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm addictive by nature. Mm-hmm. So whatever I do, I'm going to just do wildly because that's just how I operate. Yeah. So there was no other way that this could have gone on than, than that. Yeah. But um, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time and a lot of preparation to really understand all the facets of flipping, which is a very dynamic business. And then it also depends on what you want it to be. So you know better than anybody. Real estate is great because it could be whatever you want. It could be right. as big as you want it could be an amazing side gig where you sell a couple houses a year or flip a house a year or get a rental a year or you could flip a million homes a year. Yeah. So that plays a big part also. How big do you want it to be?
0: Right. So aside from, you know, working every day, I guess we could delve into kind of social media. How did you decide to leverage, you know, like what was what was your marketing plan? How did you really branch out because now you are essentially a Long Island staple. So for those of you who haven't seen, Charles has these very (sighs) off-color commercials (laughs) on News 12 where he is intimate with two-by-fours and he's doing all sorts of dancing (laughs) and weird things. But wherever we go, whether it's a restaurant, a gym, we're walking down the street, people are stopping. You're the cat pee guy. You're a handsome homebuyer. The phone is ringing off the hook. And I think it's incredible because you did that all on your own through your own marketing strategy. So how did you kind of escalate to where you are right now where people are just calling you and you don't have to really do anything?
1: So when I got into business, so you have to play to your strengths, right? I have ADHD very bad. Mm-hmm. So right now, this year, the, the change for my business is me turning it into like an automated machine that uses you know money and marketing and people to generate leads versus at the beginning, I didn't have any money. And one of my strengths is the ability to form very deep relationships with people in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I started building all these relationships with people that the ability to send me deals. Right. So that's how I really launched my business. And then one of those people, her name is Valerie Lamp. She's very sweet. She uh, ran a networking group at the time. And she invited me to come on her podcast. And This is before podcasting was like, even a thing. Really, yeah. In real estate, like not even a thing. Um, and I went on and I was like, this is great, this is so much fun. So then I started my own podcast, and the podcast became like the pillar of my social media journey, and I started just doing it just audio myself in a roach-infested basement. <laughs> then I started working with Matt R. Visual. So you
0: basically took her, like, her idea that she had you on, and you're like, I could do this myself, and you, you built it out.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, this is a lot of, you know what, it's, it's actually a lot more, it's a lot simpler than that. It's, wow, this is a lot of fun, I wanna have one. Mm-hmm. So I just started doing the podcast and then through the podcast do through doing the podcast you realize what kind of value the podcast brings you which is the ability to meet and talk to people that would otherwise probably not meet you and then repurposing that as content and then forming relationships with those people because I've had podcasts with people that would never just sit down and have a meeting with me yeah but they'll they'll have a they'll do a podcast with you because they appreciate the novelty of it and right. then on top of that you're repurposing the content Long form, short form, more people are getting exposed to you in their circle, and their sphere as a result. And uh, that's kind of how it works. So once you get bit by that bug, though, you... You want to
0: find all different avenues. You
1: just want to just go. And again, my addictive personality is not like... Ernie's here.
0: Ernie's trying to break in.
1: My addictive personality is such that I'm going to take whatever it is and I'm just going to bring it to the extreme.
0: Okay. This is another question that I had asked Dan on the last episode. Um, You weren't much of a an Instagram social media user, like when you worked at Mako, you weren't hopping on and telling people what you were doing. So what was that transition for you where you said, hey, I could use this to leverage my business and this is how I'm kind of going to do it?
1: I think it's a bunch of different things, right? Like back then, Instagram wasn't that big or wasn't even out or was coming out or whatever it was. It was mostly Facebook at the time. So I didn't know, right? Social media has really just gotten super big in the last, you know, five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that was that. Um, I just guess I started seeing it work. And like, as it started to work, I was like, oh, well, let's do more and more and more of this. So it went from Matt, our visual, to having Levy as a full-time person, to having a team of like five or six people. Mm-hmm. You know, now we've scaled back and regrouped with the economy the way it is, and we're going to end up growing it again. But um, yeah, you know, once you walk into a restaurant and someone says, oh, you're the Cappy guy, you know, hey, this is working. Let's yeah. keep doing it.
0: Yeah, but I don't want people to think that this is just like you walked into it and then you just became the success. So I guess maybe highlight a couple of things when you first got into the business. What were your setbacks? Did people uh, reject you? What were some of the obstacles that you first faced? Because it's not always a walk in the park. Um, and I think people need to know the downsides, too, and kind of how you overcame those obstacles?
1: I mean, every day has obstacles, right? Like I walked into my office this morning and we failed the blow test on a house that we're getting rid of that we're not really making any money on because the market shifted while we were in the middle of it and the market dropped 7% and now Mm -hmm. I have to spend $8,000 to insulate the attic of a house that the building department already said was good to go. And now it just failed one of their tests that they decided to put into effect two weeks ago. (laughs) So it never actually ends. Yeah. it's a process and it's a lot of hard work. And like we discuss all the time, you can't get every, you can't go from nothing to everything in a year or six months or whatever it is. It's a constantly building process. Mm -hmm. It's, It's constant setbacks every day. It's constant failures every day. It's a matter of, do you love it enough to get up every day and want to deal with the bullshit to eventually get to a place where, you know, you're very successful.
0: Yeah, and I can totally agree with that. I think, you know, we just hear a lot of success stories in this business. So I think coming from you, it's good to hear, like, do you remember specific times where people are like, I'm not, you know, I'm not working with you or I'm not, you know, and how did that play out in your psyche to say, okay, you know what, I just have to keep pushing.
1: It wasn't like, it's not really that, like you, you grow to understand. So I'll give you an example. When I was dating somebody at the time when I got into this and her and I together were working and I was like, oh, this is great. You know, you make all the offers on the properties and then I'll do them and you'll relist them and then you quickly realize that that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So if you're an investor, you can't really work with other agents for the most part. You have to go directly to the listing agent because the listing agent wants to double end the deal. Yeah. All right. You know, taboo, call it what it is, but that's business. I get it, I understand it, and that's the way it works so you start to learn things like that all of a sudden you're losing you're losing you're losing and you realize maybe i'm losing because i'm not going direct to the listing agent you know then you start going direct to the listing agent you start getting more deals um same thing happens in every facet of the business and it continues to happen all the time you know oh i thought i understand construction all of a sudden i blew a renovation by thirty thousand dollars, and you know made 1200 bucks on a house okay now i realize hey it's going to cost a lot more or i didn't take permits out on a house and we got shut down for a year or two years you know, because my dad got into a fight with the next door neighbor and they called the town on us and I lost 20 grand. Your
0: dad is incredible.
1: <laughs> so it's just, it's it's constant. It's not, it's not easy. If you think you're gonna get into this business and just start making a ton of money, you're not. It takes years of preparation mm-hmm. and then there's nothing that can p- prepare you. It can prepare you enough so that you don't get killed, but it can't prepare you for what's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, so I would say, you know, leading into that, what is your advice for the new agent? What is your advice for someone that's looking to get into, you know, flipping, investing, whatever the case may be? What are some of the base things that you think people should really hone in on? And I know because you're helping me with this right now, you have a process that really seems to work for you. I'm following it. Um, and I do believe, even though it's two years late, that you do know what you're talking about. So <laughs> if somebody's just getting into the business because not everybody has a Charles, um what could you tell people to do when you're first you know maybe out of the gate and you don't have all these resources and money to devote to these expensive features like video and all that stuff
1: only one person has a charles right yes um so on the realtor side or on the investor side or both
0: I would say give a little bit of both because you you mentor both, right?
1: So on the real estate investment side, it's all about preparation. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Whereas real estate sales, you can kind of just jump in. A real estate investing, you can't because the first deal you do might be your last deal. So the most important thing to do is to get education and prepare. You really need at least 12 months of solid education with a very good mentor before you're ready to do a deal, in my opinion. I always recommend Carl Chavone. He's the head of the East Coast RIA. He was my mentor and he took me from knowing absolutely nothing to mm-hmm. you know what I am today. So you have to invest in somebody right. like that. So that that's that's how the flipping goes. With real estate agents, it's actually very tough. Real estate sales is amazing because you can make a lot of money with very little risk. The issue is the training and support that's available on Long Island is very, very, very limited. You know, you're on the Unitium, Dan does an unbelievable job. I yeah, would say better than anybody I've seen. Um, but nobody teaches you like, how to run a business, how to run a marketing machine. The biggest thing with agents is they think that they're in sales, they're not. They're marketers, they're not in sales. Houses sell themselves, it's that simple. You put it at a, at a number that makes sense, yeah. the market decides what it's worth. What you guys are in the business of is marketing to get buyers and sellers. And how do you do that? You need to build a diligent process that incorporates technology and boots on the ground that bring you guys opportunity To meet people that are either looking to buy or sell, and then use technology and a process that you put together to constantly poke them until they either buy or sell or die. It's constant. It never ends. Yeah. And you have to really like it. And the problem is most people don't have the structure, not necessarily because they don't want to have the structure, but they were never taught the structure because the people that are teaching them don't know it either.
0: Yeah. It's incredible. And you don't realize when you get in, you think it's just like, okay, I'm going to reach out to my sphere. I'm going to do this. Now, two years in, I see. How hard and how intricate like you really have to be dedicated to this every day. And even in us going over my business plan and working on a CRM and consistent content and all these things, like you can't fall through the cracks. If you want a business that functions and runs by itself and works for you, you have to put these systems and procedures in place. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, they don't have that guidance and they think that just you know making a cold call here or there or you know showing up for an open house or working in an open house is going to Extend their bu- their business long term or double their business. it's not. It's all these little things behind the scenes that you really have to be dedicated to to grow to grow
1: yeah, no with without a doubt and listen i'm um you're a lot younger than me, right? I have thirteen years on you, mm-hmm. so it... that is
0: the truth, although you would never know because I think you act younger than me
1: <laughs> so it uh, it took me uh, a long time to learn these things, right and that's with working with really great people but even for me this year, so I've been very lucky, I've been blessed, I've done very well. This year, I probably won't make any money in the sense that whatever I make, I I'll put back into systematizing my business so that right. it can function on its own versus me just having a lucrative job where I have to be involved every single day at, a, at you know, on a boots on the ground level which isn't sustainable for any kind of life.
0: Right, so from when you got into the business to now, how really has your business grown? And then I think you should tell everyone what your plan is? Like, what's your plan for the next one to five years, business, life, beyond? How has it grown, and where do you hope to take this whole thing?
1: So, um, basically at the beginning I was just very lucky and I met a lot of great people that had deals and I made friends with every single real estate agent out there. Yeah. So you have to understand, you know, a lot of investors will partner up with a realtor and they'll say, okay, you go bring the deals in and I'll do it. Well, that's not gonna work because what I said before. So you have to know hundreds if not thousands of real estate agents. So I'm, I'm blessed to know hundreds if not thousands of real estate agents that when they get that one house a year that smells like cat pee, they want to work with me because we have a relationship and it's fun and everybody makes money and it's, it's, a, it's a pleasant thing. We make videos, we have a good time. Right. So you want to make sure you create um, you know, an experience for people that are having fun with you while you're yeah. doing it. Right. So there's that. Um, as far as where it's going, so the goal is to systematize the business because the fix and flip business and the rental portfolio is the backbone of, of my financial life. You know, I'm blessed at 40 years old to be able to retire and not have to work anymore, depending on what t- kind of t- like life I want to live. So I want to make sure that that is running like a Slowly. machine without me. So if I can put five or ten hours into mm-hmm. that while it still operates and the leads come in and construction does what it needs to do and permitting and finance and the rental properties and it's just, it's a lot. If that functions on its own, then by the end of the year, I can open my private equity fund, which was my which goal. So goal. by 45 years old, I'm 43 now, I wanna have a full-blown private equity fund, which for me is like the pinnacle of, of your investing. achievement and investing. what you're striving for. Yes.
0: And I think a question that we need to answer because a lot of people ask Charles this. They're curious. They want to know why do you rent an apartment when you are Long Island's number one fix and flip investor? I think it's it's just good to get your opinion on it because people don't understand. So what is your, what is your thought process in that?
1: So, you know, when you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he defines an asset, an asset being something that generates money. When you buy a house to live in, I'm not saying it's bad to buy houses. Lord knows I've made a living selling houses to people, right? But when you buy a house to live in, a, there's a big chunk of a down payment that you put down that you can't use to invest in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah
1: You know, Second, now, it's not just the mortgage, it's everything else. So you're doing improvements to the house, your heating bill, et cetera. Everything is bigger. So it's harder for you. Plus, mm-hmm. if you want to sell it, it's not that easy, depending on where you bought it in the market cycle. You may lose money. You might make money. But for the most part, you're not going to because there's a lot of transactional costs for the next five years. So unless you buy at the absolute bottom and the market takes off like a pre-COVID thing, mm-hmm. you're, you're not really going to make money. Right. So listen, if you have a family, it's more of a lifestyle choice. I get it. I will buy a house at some point, but I don't want to have a mortgage. I want to buy a lot of buy rental properties. Yeah, I want to buy a lot of rental properties that generate passive income that I can then refinance tax-free, go buy a house, and still have the assets that are making money, versus taking the seed money that I use to build those assets and acquire those assets to buy a house that doesn't make me any money. Got it. You know, my dad always had a saying, which is, uh, a business buys a house, a house doesn't buy a
0: business. Okay. I totally get that. Makes sense. So... You know, looking back, when you got in this business, when you started marketing, when you really took off, did you ever think that you would kind of be this little social media, you know, Long Island sensation in the space? Um, did you think it would elevate to this level? And do you now, sitting here, are there are there downsides to social media? Are there things you don't like about what you do?
1: So, is like so the question, like, is the question, do I did I think I would be as successful yeah, like, did, as I am when
0: you when you got. Let's stray it to social media. So you might have thought maybe, you know what, I will be this successful. But did you think that you'd be walking down the street in any main street in any town and somebody would stop you and ask to take a picture while they're having dinner? Well, I didn't,
1: I didn't really, you know, focus on that. But I always knew, I always knew where I was going, what I was yeah. going to achieve, and there was never any question. Like, you know, way before the private equity fund thing will be at the end of the year, beginning of next year. But I knew that was going to happen years ago, you know, before I went to NYU, I knew I was gonna graduate there. Before I flipped my 100th house, before I flipped my first house, I knew I was gonna do 100 plus. There was never any doubt in my mind that I'm gonna be, to be what person. I wanna be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being on social media and having that notoriety is, is, is fun. It's interesting. Yeah, I think, it, I think it, you it, enjoy it. It's just the right amount. Well, it's good because it knows that it's, that it's working. <laughs> and then people are actually very nice, usually. Yeah. Um, and it's fun, it's, it's, it's who I am. Now listen, I don't really like social media. If social media didn't bring me business, I wouldn't have social media. Yeah, and this
0: is more what I wanted people to see and get into because although you're on social media, it's mostly business-based. And he even tells me sometimes, you know, people only post what they want. They post the highlight reel. So there's, you know, when I I met you, I was not using social media for anything uh, productive. It was more just like posting if I'm on vacation once a year. Um, I didn't really use it the right way now in business. I see how it can be used to leverage your business, but there are other sides of it where I feel like sometimes you're only seeing the good parts of people's lives. And there's this, especially in our industry, this element of competition and you see how other people are doing and you kind of veer off track rather than focusing on yourself. So do you see that in any, you know, like if you don't have to be on it all the time, like what are the downsides?
1: I mean, listen, social media is the ultimate manipulator, right? It's whatever you want people to see in your life is what it is. the simple fact of the matter is this, people's attention is on social media. People are on their phones all the time. So if you want to grow a business or you know, be remembered or seen or whatever it is, you have to be there because that's where people's attention is. It yeah. doesn't really matter. And as things change, you just have to be in front of people in order to grow your business. Because like in the case of being, you could, have a, you could have a friend, I'm sure every realtor has this story where they have a friend that knows they're a realtor, but when it was their turn to buy a house, they bought a house with somebody else because they yeah. didn't think of that friend. Yeah. If you're not posting two or three or four times a day on all platforms so that that friend sees you at that moment when they're finally like, you know what, I think it's time I'll to buy a house, you. you're, not that, you're not getting that business. Mm-hmm. And that's the, uh, the unfortunate reality about it. So it's work. Yeah. I have two content creators in my office. We film every week, they edit all week. I put three posts out per day plus stories it is a lot of work, it takes a lot of time. It costs yeah, a lot of money. And it's
0: consistent, I mean, I see you, you're posting when you open your eyes, you're posting in the middle of the day, you're posting at night, but you know, we always joke around and people are like, oh my God, he posts so much. I maybe don't post as much as you, everybody has their preference, but you at least can say that your face is wangled <laughs> into everybody's psyche. You're going to comment on the fact that I said wangled. Is that a word? Is that a word?
1: I think it is a word. If not, it should be.
0: Um, But you are the first person everyone thinks of when they have a situation where they need a house, you know, to get a house off their hands or a dilapidated property or something. You're the first person they think of. You're the first person they call. People are calling you all day. Um, So we'll wrap this up. I have another question for you. You know, if you could think about it, what, if you're looking back on 2022, what was your peak? So it was your highest? And what was your pit? your lowest moment? And this could be anything. doesn't have to strictly be business.
1: <sighs> so what was, my, what was my highest moment? What was my lowest moment? Um, you know what it is? I can't even really say. So 2022 was a very, was an awesome year. Like a lot of great things happened. It was a roller coaster ride like every year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I can't really say that there was any like, there was just, there was tons of highs and lows, all yeah. of it. It was, you know, a lot of things with 3D printing came about, which was very cool. You know, the market, the interest rates shot up and everybody thought we were going to a massive recession and it still does. And and that was very scary. You know, when you have 60 houses under construction and you have like $30 million worth of other people's money on the street, it's very scary to have rates go from 25 to 7% and the market shut off. It's um, It was a lot. But in general, like, I'm never upset. I'm never unhappy. Mm-hmm. I'm never... Every, I enjoy every bit of, like, the ups and downs. I need that, like, constant stimulation. And I'm really looking forward to what's going to go on this year because I know there's a lot of, of work that has to go into it. But after this year, I, um, I think a lot of amazing things are going to happen. So I'm excited.
0: Awesome. So wrapping up, I'm going to let you take the floor for a minute, kind of just talk to people, tell them what you do, where they can find you. Um,
1: yeah. All right, obviously, the Handsome home buyer. You could find me on any social media platform, handsome underscore homebuyer. If you have a house that smells like cat pee, I want to buy it, land, commercial property, <laughs> you name it, 516-777-SOLD, oh handsomehomebuyer.com.
0: Thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you for helping me for the last two years, helping me to get to this point because I did not want to do it, but I'm really enjoying, you know, everything that you have taught me this business, and I'm excited to see what happens.
1: Listen, it's very cool to see you grow in many facets of your life. I'm very proud of you, and although we have fought about it since we've met uh, in regards to business, you have done an amazing job, and you've built a great business in a very short period of time. You know, uh, 2.5% of all realtors do all the business, and I'm proud to say that you're in that top 2.5%. Thank you. All on your own, doing thank your thing, you. cold calling, texting, social mediaing, torturing people, dealing torturing. with. Yes. <laughs> a roller coaster of a year. Um, so it's great. I'm very proud of
0: you. Thank you. All right, guys. So thank you for watching this episode. And we will be back again next week with a brand new guest.